Hello, we're the Sticky Bun Boys. I'm David. And I'm Michael. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Biscuit Week for the latest batch of bakers. Otherwise known as the seventh circle of hell. Biscuits aren't that bad, Michael. Grow up. I still get flashbacks to that awful cow's head. Remember that? <laughs> no need to hear about your personal life, Michael. Let's get into the episode. I'm dying to see if the bakers have any twicks up their sleeves. David, please. No need to snap. I don't think all biscuits snap particularly. Well, now you're being really short. <laughs> That's enough. Producer Alex, whack in a splat so we can all move life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs united healthcare can help get you covered with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, well, Michael, this week, Biscuit Week, actually, I love it and you hate it. Why do you hate it so much? I think it's the hardest week of all. I mean, maybe not this year, to be fair, but normally you have to create like the Mona Lisa or like the entire Louvre art gallery out of fucking biscuits. Also, I just did that icky thing where you pronounce a French word in a French way, didn't I? <laughs> you did. But I think biscuits have structure. They Generally, you just overbake them a bit harder so they don't fall down as much. I don't know. It's more the putting it together. It's more the building of it because what people don't realise is you have to create your own moulds or like if you're doing an assembly thing, you have to create each piece so that it'll stick together and make a shape, which is maths. Also, if something does start going wrong, it's actually quite hard to save a biscuit. Yeah. Anyway, let's get on to the signature. The signature, because this week I am leading, so I have written down everything possible there is. You can test me at any point in this episode. <laughs> oh, I look forward to it. Signature was 12 marshmallow biscuits, 2.5 hours. Now, is it marshmallow, 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 marshmallow? Yeah, I heard someone say marshmallow and that kind of freaks me out a little bit. It's marshmallow. Yeah, I love marshmallow and people think these are really hard to make, not to be a trendsetter, but I actually made lemon and rosemary tea cakes like a month ago. And everyone eating the marshmallow was like, wow, this must be so hard. And I was like, well, no, not really. If you can make a Swiss meringue or an Italian meringue, you can make a marshmallow because it's just the meringue with gelatin in it, right? Yeah, I kind of think it's one of those things like cinder toffee or what's the other word for cinder toffee? Honeycomb. Honeycomb. People always think that's really difficult. It actually isn't. Mm. Do you know what, though? There is a difference between, you know, the tea cake marshmallow that's kind of got that stickiness to it. And then there's the kind of marshmallows you buy that are a bit more solid. Mm. I like the stickier one more. Yeah, of course you do. Um, And also just to mention, um, talking of being a trendsetter, I basically did this challenge in the tent, but in 50 minutes less time, hold for applause. (laughs) No applause. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for that. And actually, after you saying all this, I actually, for our biscuit uh, one, I did marshmallow and failed. So (laughs) it's really easy. So I have written about every single person, but we're not going to go through every single person. Who was a couple of standouts for you? I am convinced that Josh is a finalist. It's getting more and more clear to me in my mind. He was making... um, 
all I've written down is that he won a prize for his massive marrow. He was making blackberry and blackcurrant tea cakes with dark chocolate. I've written it down, Michael. Very good, David. Congratulations on the bare minimum again. I actually didn't write down much, but his, I remember looking particularly good. They had a good crack on them. They were nice and thin. The flavours came through. Although I did get a bit put off by um, Noel coming over and chatting to him about rugby. And he described rugby as, quote, getting pounded in the cold. Ooh. Have you had experience with that, David? No, but it sounds quite nice, actually. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll take it up. You wouldn't want it to be in the hot, and you certainly could take it up, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, his, I agree with you because most of them, one of the biggest, like a lot of them look good. One of the biggest struggles in this kind of challenge is having thick chocolate, thick mm. bases. It's mm. actually quite easy to do some of the other elements, but to get a really thin chocolate and it still look that perfect is the most difficult bit. Now, they spoke in the voiceover about using moulds or what they called a freehand finish, which isn't isn't quite what I think <laughs> they think it is. Um, but I think they basically mean not coating it all in chocolate. And from what I could see, Saku was the only one who didn't coat the entire thing in chocolate, which makes it sound like it wasn't necessary. And if that wasn't necessary, don't do it. It's far too hard. Yeah, Tasha didn't either, which I thought was really clever with Tasha. I mean, considering she got a handshake. Um, But yeah, because when you're trying to cover something all in chocolate, you either have to like throw it all in and scoop it out and let it drip or pour it all over. Dipping in half, you can get things looking really neat and get away with it. Yeah, Tasha's looked delicious, which was like a malted chocolate biscuit based on a milo i've never heard of a milo actually what's that oh we had it's really it's like ovaltine we had that when i lived in malawi it's just like a hot chocolate with malt in it like horlicks yes like the chocolate horlicks sure prue said that her biscuit was too thick quite a mouthful which isn't a complaint i've had before um but they did crumble and um and then she got a handshake the first handshake of the year is it too soon or did she deserve it she probably deserved it i thought i think it's one of those things that was surprising as well because if you think it's going to be too thick and then because it looked kind of like cake but then they just said the texture was perfect. If you can't mm. think of anything wrong with it, I think it probably does deserve a handshake. Yeah, the weird bit after the handshake was when Prue kind of whispered, that pleases me as much as it pleases you. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I found that a bit <laughs> freaky as well. <laughs> Who else stood out to you? I, do you know what? The problem is some of the ones that stood out to me weren't actually that good in the end. Mm. I liked the idea of Nikki's with the ginger and rhubarb, yeah. rhubarbaba, but there just wasn't any of it. I liked the way that she just had a wee layer was that a good accent, Michael? Well, she didn't even have a wee layer at all because it, it just wasn't there. It was an absent layer, a ghost layer. It was an absent layer. It's like the ghost poos that I talked to you about when I texted you in the morning. We've had a ghost poo. They're my favourites. So it was like Paul was looking for your ghost poos. Looking A ghost poo, dear listener, because Alex looks confused, is when you have a poo and you don't have to wipe because it's just gone. Which I was confused when Michael first said it because I thought a ghost poo was when you pooed and it went round the U-bend so it just looked like it was em- like it gone. <laughs> it was empty. <laughs> That's quite a quite a forceful push you're doing there, David, I have to say. Or a slider U-bend. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, a slippery U-bend. We'd all like one of those. Um, what did you think of Dan's chocolate, banana and peanut butter wagon wheel? Those flavours didn't do it for me. No, there's no... Because the thing you said about Josh, having a blackberry and blackcurrant really sharp and then the sweet of the marshmallow and the dark chocolate, like... Dan's looked brilliant, but it just is all the same flavour profile. Chocolate, yeah. banana and peanut butter. He said, I need to decorate the top as best I can. And from my experience, it tends to be the top doing the decorating. Do you agree? <laughs> I do agree, yes. <laughs> I think it came out well, though. It apparently tastes very nice. To be honest, they all tasted fairly good. One that I want to mention, though, is Dana for doing a cardamom marshmallow. Oh, my God. And a speckaloose biscuit. Although she called it speckalos. But that sounds like spicy, like mm. everything. I loved the idea of hers. I've noticed with Dana that when she finishes a word, she puts ah at the end. So she's like, I'm making 12, ah. Oh, like, Have you like, noticed this? Like, like Giuseppe does. 
Yeah, it's like an Italian thing. Listen next time. She did it all the way through the episode. Ooh. I didn't think her moulds were necessarily the best option, considering they're quite difficult to get out. They're actually, a, I think it's called a Modak mould, because I made Indian milk sweets in the same shape. But that's quite tricky to get out, I think. I think she made extras because she broke some and there were still some left over. I didn't. Yeah, it was one of those ones as well. It looked like they were sh- they were setting that up to look like it was a total disaster. But actually, yeah. a lot of them came out okay. Mm. But yeah, I would never go for a complex mold like that. Never. Um, I loved the idea of Abby's as well, I have to say. Like, they said the flavour balances weren't quite right. But if she hit that properly, like a saffron marshmallow oh my word, is yeah. brilliant. Also, Abby seems older than me. And I'm yes. quite old. She's an old soul. She's giving Victorian soul in a millennial body, isn't she, really? <laughs> yeah, doing her aerial hoop things. Oh, I've written down, actually, my prediction for people who are going to go far after this, after the, what was it called? I was about to call it the signature, but for some reason this week, Paul was abbreviating them to the SIG and the tech. Oh, a SIG is not good. Paul is not right with that one. <laughs> Trying to get more room for ad breaks. God, there's so many ads in the UK at the moment. But yeah, my top three from that challenge, who I think could go far in the whole season are Rowan, Dan and Abby and also Josh because Josh just wasn't in that challenge at all. I would agree with you apart from I would put Josh above Rowan. Potentially. It's just the screen time that Rowan keeps getting. Although that could be a bad thing. Who knows? Rowan slightly annoyed me. Not that he did anything particularly bad. Only because I like it when the the judges don't like something and people stick to it. Even if Mm. the... Like, it seemed a bit of an easy thing to be like, okay, the judges don't like this. I'm going to miss it out. It's like, no, put the violet in there. Oh, I'm much more of a Rowan. I'm a people pleaser. I'm like, please don't eliminate me. Have whatever you want. Should I change it to chocolate? I'll do a chocolate (laughs) one, actually. Like Black Forest? I'll do do a Black Forest. You've got some some spare cherries. Fabulous. Wonderful. Please love me, Paul. That's my vibe. (laughs) I'm like, Paul, I'll just put seven more spices in. You don't don't like star anise? Well, how about everything else? (laughs) Give me the whole spice cupboard. We should talk about Keith, bless him. I got a feeling he was going to go from this very challenge. And sadly, spoiler alert, that was the case. It felt like just nothing was going well for him. Yeah, I thought that he was still going to pull it back because I think I just from the first episode, it seemed like he's got a lot of technical know-how mm. and he's still and he's obviously very good with flavours. So I, he was struggling, but I thought he was still going to pull it back. I think I saw myself in Keith and I was just lucky in our biscuit week where I was able to kind of pull something through and someone else did worse than me. But biscuits just aren't my forte. And it felt like with Keith, Biscuits weren't his forte. If it had been like cake week, bread week, and then even, who knows, patisserie week before biscuits, he'd have stayed longer. But this was just kind of his Achilles heel. You said you're like you... There was someone that did worse than you. The thing about this year is they're all so good. Yeah. They're annoyingly good. Yeah. Or the challenges are simple. Who knows? Shall we go to the... Shall we go to the tech, David? The tech. Let's get on to the tech. The tech... Do you know what? One thing, just a little point is with the tech... This whole thing where they ask for the advice from the judges and the judges say things like, just watch out for the time or use an oven. Like, it's not advice. Like, it's not even funny. It's just pointless. I want them to start giving, like, life advice. Be like, yes, do something new today. But that'll be funny. That'll be like, if they're going to do pointless advice, make it funny. Shall we do that each week? From this week onwards, we'll give our own advice for next week's technical. What's your advice for next week's technical, David? Oh, I should look at Steph's coffee morning thoughts that she does on Instagram. Here's one. For next week's technical, my wise words are never wear more than three colours at once. (laughs) There you go. Prue's definitely not going to say that one. (laughs) She was dressed like a dip-dyed Dennis the Menace this week. Did you see? (laughs) She was. She wasn't wearing as many colours, but... It was like a cross between a zebra and Dennis the Menace and then like a weird chunky necklace. I love her clothing, by the way. I I look forward to it each week. Also, her hair is looking really good. Maybe she's got a different hair person this year. Anyway, on to the tech. 
the tech was 12 custard creams in one and a half hours. Do Americans have custard creams? I don't, I don't know you're asking me. I am, I am famously not an American. Yeah, but you know American stuff more than me because you're younger than me. I think they do. I, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, they do. You actually made custard creams for us to watch Biscuit Week last year, but you didn't do a creme au beurre for the centre. You just did a normal a normal boring American buttercream. You should be ashamed oh. of yourself. Sorry, Michael. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, custard... I mean, the thing is, they had to do... I mean, I don't think custard creams do have a creme on beurre. I think they had to do something because custard creams are pretty simple. However, it was in one and a half hours. How are they meant to keep it so chilled? Yeah. To have a biscuit that is baked and then you've got to put a buttercream between hopefully oh. chilled biscuits yeah a nightmare creme beurre for people people who don't know um you might have seen people making an italian uh, meringue buttercream so basically what you're doing with italian meringue buttercream is you're whisking together egg whites and hot sugar syrup a creme beurre you whisk together egg yolks and hot sugar syrup before you whisk in the butter so it's very rich it's lovely but doing that because that buttercream also has to heat up and cool down that takes about 15 20 minutes before you can do anything with it it was very tight I actually made a creme on beurre the other week for my cake and it's because I was using a pulp of fruit that was quite tart so it kind of balanced it because mm. like you say otherwise it's pretty rich to have that on with a biscuit. And it's also called a creme au beurre not a creme on beurre. No but mine was a creme on top of beurre so <laughs> sure. it, was, it was a creme on beurre. <laughs> have you noticed by the way it's particularly in this challenge Christy seems to have like a permanent fan in front of her like Beyonce. Like her hair oh, is she? always kind of waving beautifully in the wind. It's giving like like perfume advert whenever she does anything. She looks so good. Incredible. I mean, maybe the person stood in front of her is breaking wind and that is not good <laughs> Oh, no. Who was stood in front of her? Was it Rowan? No, Rowan was behind her because she famously stole his biscuit dough and rolled it out beautifully <laughs> for him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so that was the dough gate was that, but it wasn't really much of a drama. They obviously tried to make it into something. But Rowan put his biscuit dough in the same fridge as... Because at this stage, you don't have a fridge each. You're same fridge as Christy. And Christy took out Rowan's dough and, and commented about how lovely it was. <laughs> and then actually her dough really wasn't very good at all. No, bless him. Although to be fair, Rowan struggled with his dough. He said, I don't know how hard to push. I don't want it to go all the way through. Which we've all thought about quite quite in detail, really. You don't want to push too hard, do you? No, and then Rowan was also... He was choosing his tops and bottoms, isn't it? It's yeah, nice to have a lot to choose from, really. We, we would never stoop to that level of innuendo, David. Not on this journalism podcast. It's not for us. <laughs> journalism. I did. So in the judging, this was quite, I mean, it was it was one of those challenges where a lot of people were struggling with the same things, getting the definition, etc. Uh, the judging, there was a lot of people getting well filled. There was a lot of that, yeah. How they described Takus was basically what my therapist writes down at the end of each session. A real mess and too soft. <laughs> 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 I I found this challenge and it's the same as last week. It was quite a simple challenge. Yes, the time made it challenging, but I think it, it can't just be the time that makes the challenge challenging because otherwise everything looks the same and the judging, I mean, it's always a bit of a, a lot of people at this point, but I zoned out because it was just the same thing after again, after again, after again. In the words of, was it Sinead O'Connor? 
time after time. Yes, 100% agree. I thought exactly the same thing. It's like all you've done to make this difficult is reduce the time, which then sometimes mm. makes it so it's actually more impossible and difficult. And all you're going to lose, yeah, everyone, everyone's was very similar. Everyone did underbake their biscuits. That was a weird thing that they didn't have to do because it was probably only about two or three minutes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I posted on a, um, I used to do the Guardian live blog uh, here in the UK and I posted in the comment section to kind of say, oh, what's everyone thinking? So I think this is a bit too simple. But a lot of people thought actually it was much more accessible and they could understand a bit more about what was going on. So please write in, answer on a postcard. Do you prefer these simpler challenges with shorter time periods or slightly harder challenges? Where do you want your challenge to be? Not that we can change anything. I just want to know. Just in one thing that I hope is that the simpler ones, I don't mind the simpler ones when there's a lot of different people. Because mm. if I zone out a bit where there's loads, that's fine. As it progresses, I'm hoping to get a little bit harder. Yeah. Anyway, sure. we had Keith at the bottom. Then we had Sako in 10th. Then Christy in 9th. And then mm. up at the top end, we had Rowan in 3rd. And then these top two, I just thought were both perfect. But Dan got 2nd and Abby literally did perfection yeah she's doing really really well and she did shorten the titles of her bakes this week so kudos to her for that dan is just so comfortable in that tent isn't he i mean we keep on saying who's going to go far i can't see anyone beating dan it kind of for me it has a slight feeling of when we were watching it and giuseppe was on it and you're like giuseppe's just going to win this i didn't feel like, like that about giuseppe i thought it was going to be christelle then she fucked that focaccia not literally and that was what made giuseppe <laughs> win oh i thought i from week one I thought Giuseppe had a little bit of a wobble for later on, but at the start, mm. each week I was just like, oh, it's Giuseppe, it's Giuseppe, it's Giuseppe. We're both doing book events with him soon. We can we can pitch it to him. Do you think you deserve to win, Giuseppe? That can be the first question we ask. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be savage. Sorry, I, we should probably quickly say we love Giuseppe. We get on very well with him. We are actually friends with him. We're not being mean, I promise. <laughs> are we totally? And he just totally deserved to win. I thought he was going to win the whole way through. You thought Christelle. I did think Christelle. Right, so on to the showstopper. It was an illusion biscuit display of your favourite meal. And you have, I'm saying you as if you're doing this now, Michael, you have four hours. Go. I thought this was a great challenge. I thought it was really, really good. I thought it was really good as well because recently, well, actually not recently, just forever in Bake Off, as soon as they started doing more sculptural, structural things, they've kind of all been quite similar. You know the showstopper's coming. You know you're going to have to build something that's a tall structure, uh, whereas this wasn't. No, it, they could be creative and it was really interesting. I really enjoyed it. I liked that it wasn't, you didn't need like an architectural degree to do this one. That's when I get kind of stressed about Biscuit Week challenges. They were all so creative. There was a really broad range of things apart from all the charcuterie boards the one challenge i had was because they were and it's similar with all challenges like this when they're doing like six different types of biscuit each that's over 60 biscuits in that tent and it's hard to kind of track what they're actually making oh, i have to say when i said i'd written down everything from this episode i've literally just written down the thing that they did the meal I have not written mm. down any of the biscuits or anything although i do remember a lot of them because we are recording this straight after watching it which is quite helpful yeah it um, literally finished I... airing 30 minutes ago yeah the thing with this challenge is, I think the hardest thing is when you are uh, getting the briefs for this, your mind can run away with itself and you can kind of think, oh, this is a really good idea. But there's a difference between doing an illusion and something that's stylized. And mm. sometimes people go into the stylist and they've done really well, but it's meant to be an illusion. It has to look like the thing. Are you talking about Keith's stylized tomato? <laughs> well, his was the most obvious, but also Rowan's, most of Rowan's charcuterie boards were very stylized versions. Yeah, it was basically a biscuit with a picture on top of it rather than the biscuit <laughs> forming the thing. Yeah, whereas Abby's actually looked like a dim sum board. 
Oh my gosh, it was incredible, wasn't it? I wanted to see her fortune cookies because they're quite hard to make. And so I wanted to see them, but we never got to see those. But she made brandy snap spring rolls and a biscuit steamer and those dumpling things that were filled with apricot and pistachio. It looked amazing. But that's why it was so clever as well, because dumplings are a wrapper filled with a filling and so she did that with the biscuit it was just so it wasn't even just then that it was like oh it looks like the thing you bite in it's just a biscuit it's like no she Mm. also then mimicked the actual thing she's a genius i thought dan's looked really good but they didn't really linger on it and i wondered whether they were doing that thing again where they're trying to not let a front runner out if that makes sense so like his cheese and onion pie he made three different plates and like they all looked incredible and the flavors looked great but you kind of got a very quick shot of it and they kept moving away from him a bit. It was absolutely amazing with the kind of, was there an orange curd seeping out like to be the cheese? Yeah, a cheese and onion pie. So the onion was made of a, one type of biscuit and the cheese was an orange curd that was kind of dribbling out. Please don't say seeping at this time on a Tuesday night. <laughs> no seepage. <laughs> the thing about this one is because it was all quite flat, there wasn't really an excuse for them to overbake biscuits. Uh, mm. So you still, uh, that's the one thing I was thinking is like, you really have to do good biscuits. A lot of them did shortbread and we're getting a lot of praise for shortbread, which is quite an easy biscuit anyway. But it, like people were doing uh, biscotti, which I love as well. Uh, Tweel, like there was a lot of variety in biscuits. Yeah, for sure. Um, I disagree with the judges. I don't want my biscuits too hard. I quite like a bit of give. Um, I like them to be a bit soft. So that I did, I never agree with them every year. They did it with us as well. Like they criticised my biscuits when I was in the tent for saying they were too soft. But I was like, well, I don't want like a brittle gingerbread person. Yeah, gingerbread and um and shortbread. But Keith's the way he was prodding Keith's and it was a bit soft and that wasn't very nice. Yeah, that was a little bit gummy. We're just circling around it. Let's talk about Josh's burger because oh my word. I mean, from start to finish, when they first talked about, even when they mentioned the fact that he'd done Florentines for the patties, I was like, that's genius. Yeah, I would never have thought of that. I think actually something I was thinking about is I would find the girth of the, not the girth, I meant to say thickness, but I'd find the, I'd find the thickness of certain elements on that plate to be the hardest part because most biscuits I make aren't thick, but using a Florentine to make the patty, and I was a bit, when I saw the picture of it, I thought, right, is it just going to be fondant again? Because last week his fondant work was perfect, but if he's just doing fondant every week, is that going to be a bit of a crutch? But this wasn't fondant. It was all like different textures and it was incredible stuff. It was incredible. But most importantly, we've just learned that you don't like a lot of girth. Well, not too much, no. You've got to, you got to be careful about the girth you're taking and, and, what, and what you're looking for, really, yeah. But Josh also doesn't seem very flappable. Like he does, no. so far, he seems like he's going to be one of these ones that we say that's going to get to the end because he's doing very well and he's not being flapped. What did you think about him getting a handshake in a showstopper? Well, I was, I was, when I was, I was, when I was typing, I was like, surely this is a handshake moment. Like, why has there been no handshake? And then they cut back to the tent and he got one. And I was like, yeah, great. Because he deserved that. There was nothing wrong with that bake. He does. It's just the thing is with Bake Off, there's generally been a thing that you don't get handshakes in the showstopper. There's only been like two or three all forever now, isn't there? There's, there's, I think it's like three or four. Yeah. The last time it happened, they claimed it was the first time ever, but it, but it wasn't true. I think Rahul's had one. I think Ruby's had one. I think Rosie from Our Year had one on Christmas specials. Um, and so now I think he's probably the fourth one. But he definitely deserved it for sure. Uh, shall we talk about Saku's uh, breakfast feast, including real onions? And her not quite understanding when Alison was like, well, it's got to look like an onion, not be an onion. And she was like, but I'm making onions. And Alison was like, well, yeah, but that's not what that is. And she was just basically like, I'll go away, Alison. Like, she was really dismissive of her. <laughs> I love Saku. I continue to love her. I continue to dread the day when she leaves our lives. And not she dying, had... <clears throat> just like leaving in the tent. 
and she had lovely spice biscuits. Um, oh, I yeah. have to say, I thought Josh was going to take Star Baker purely because of this showstopper. But it was the lovely Tasha, who's oh, hers. Hers did look really good as well. Her katsu curry. She was good twice, whereas Josh was good once. So it definitely was yeah. deserved for Tasha. And it was kind of obvious that bless him, Keith. Or what was it they called him? Needy Ned. They called him earlier in the episode. <laughs> Needy it was, Ned. It was a sad that Needy Ned uh, was was going, but I think he knew it. <laughs> And then there were 10. Next week is bread week. And from the look of things, they're going cottaging. Ooh. <laughs> Not like that, behave. Plus, it's back to the plats for the showstopper, which is always going to be a bit fiddly. Oh, I love a good fiddle. Right, we've all managed to recover from producer Alex's disgusting suggestion last week. Let's crack on with the taste test. This one comes from Jake, who slid into our DMs. Ooh, we love a cheeky DM slide. Well, you might not love this one. Jake's breakfast of choice is scrambled eggs on top of peanut butter covered toast. In the immortal words of Gemma Collins. Right? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Are your buns drying out? I beg your pardon? I mean, could your buns be kept stickier? The eternal question. I suppose the answer is yes. Well, I'm here to help. I thought you were married. Behave. If you'd like extra helpings of Sticky Bun Boys each and every week, all you have to do is join our OnlyFans. Each week you get an ad-free version of our podcast as well as bonus bits including recipes and access to our own little community of soggy bottoms. And all it costs is the price of a coffee each month. Check us out at patreon.com forward stroke Sticky Bun Boys! Exclamation mark. 
Well, you're a bit of a peanut butter covered toast aficionado, aren't you? Yeah, but I've traditionally I like peanut butter on its own. But I do like the idea of this. I think there just needs to be something a bit more salty with the peanut butter, like maybe marmite mixed with the peanut butter, then the scrambled egg on That's top. That's absolutely abhorrent. What a horrible thing to do. I put honey on my scrambled eggs, actually. If I have fried eggs or scrambled eggs, I put a little bit of honey on. How are you scrambling your eggs is a quick question. I hate over scrambled eggs. My right. scrambled eggs are really soft, almost like gooey. Yeah, so Amelia, um, actually from our Bake Off season, who just turns out to be a friend of ours now, um, she, I call it burnt eggs, because she just gets a, like a frying pan, cracks the eggs in, breaks them up on the highest heat possible, so they're dry and, and crumbly, and calls that a day. No, that is not scrambled no, egg. In like, fact, scrambled egg, you have to have everything ready on the plates, because as soon as it's at the point you want it, yeah. leaving it in the pan for seconds longer, it sets mm. too much. Like, you've got to be tipping it, pouring it onto your toast. Yeah, so I'm, I'm melting some butter, and then I'm, I'm whacking three or four eggs in, and I'm whisking that together on the lowest heat possible and stirring it for like yeah. seven minutes. That's my goal. Although and my issue is... Well, I make I put my sourdough and I put marmite on, then I put the, the eggs on top. But then I eat the eggs off the sourdough, like the sourdough is a plate, and then I eat the sourdough afterwards because it's kind of got like the egg sog because it's gone through the marmite. But the problem with the peanut butter is, it's not you're not going to get egg sog through peanut butter. It's too too thick. I almost agree with you, Michael, but I don't like any of the egg sog. For me, scrambled egg has got to be pourable consistency. You pour it on the plate and you have your triangles of toast next to it. So actually, if the peanut butter stopped the egg sog, I could then probably pour the scrambled eggs on top. Why are you doing like scrambled egg nachos for? That's weird. I'm not having it. Jake, you're going to jail from both of us at the end. The next question we have is from Jack. Uh, Jack has asked, what did you find most... Oh, I can't speak today. It's because we're doing a remote record. Uh, I think that we're going to put it down to that. We're normally more articulate in person, aren't we? Do I still sound like I'm in a in a sink? Because I've put lots of soft furnishings up, which you told me to do. I got a panicked phone call from David this afternoon being like, how do I make myself sound less shit? <laughs> and so I think he's concocted like cushions and blankets and curtains. Well, we have the same microphone the last time. I listened back and I was like, okay, Michael literally sounds like he's in a studio. I do sound like I'm in a tin can. Yeah. <laughs> actually today i've got the cat next to me and the cat's actually sat here quietly which is the first time ever i'm gonna out myself as well poor old alex and michael when we do it in person i'm a disaster when it's a remote record <laughs> i was sat waiting for them i was there early waiting to get into the podcast realized i clicked on a link from 2022 so it wasn't <laughs> for, for a computer program we don't even use anymore so <laughs> Isn't it good? It was never going to be that one. What did you find most surprising about filming Bake Off? Um, oh, that is a really good question, actually, because I'm trying to remember what my thoughts were before. I think my one was how long those filming days are. Like, yeah, the, definitely. Like the, the, especially the first weekend, like there was our year, there was 13 of us. And judging takes 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes per person. Oh, and yeah. timesing that by 13 times, you're all sat and you have to sit and watch it all. It's quite draining it's like a 16 it was one of those things where you actually were enjoying that people went home each week like it was the only (laughs) part of it like i mean unless you didn't like them in general you wanted people to stay but actually every time someone went i just kept on thinking oh it's gonna be a bit quicker next week my thing though that i found quite surprising was all to do with the sound actually because i was surprised how much like a plane that's way above you can only just hear they'll be like no we've got to pause we've got to wait like i was surprised how unsophisticated sound recording is did you spot this week so during the showstopper challenge judging they were in the middle of judging and there was like a random shot of rain outside dripping off the flags and it was like only there for like two seconds but i reckon it started to rain during the judging and they wanted to acknowledge the fact that you could hear the rain in the background 
Oh, you're such a noticer. I don't notice these kind of things. Something else I noticed when I went, something surprised me was how broad the gap between the benches in the centre was. Like the aisle. The aisle is oh, really yeah. wide. Maybe they've just got more more people down the middle this year. No, no, I mean like when I went. I'm still answering the question. What are you talking about? Oh, I thought you meant this year it was more wide than normal. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, what I found most... Of, I'm just answering the question that Jack asked, David. But like when you walk in... I thought the benches would be closer together, but the centre aisle has to be really wide because when you're watching Bake Off, if you, if you look at it, kind of how they film it, they always film from the middle outwards so that no yeah. one can be seen in the middle. So, of course, they need to have space for the food producers, the home ex, the pot washers, the sound guys, the camera people, all of that jazz. Actually, that's what did surprise me probably the most as well, actually, because I thought that, because it looks like you're quite on your own. It looks like you've got a lot of space around you, and uh, but you actually don't. There's people next to you like in front of you talking to you the whole time yeah actually one of my favorite episodes and i won't say which one it is in case we ever end up watching our season but there was one wide shot which is when everyone who's in that center aisle go and hide and they show a shot from the camera of the entire tent in its entirety and i remember that there was a producer lying behind my bench whispering words of encouragement because i was having a horrible time and that's a nice memory of mine that i have there there's always more people than you expect yeah okay next up is from elisa what question are you tired of hearing about Bake Off? And what question do you wish people asked? I think the question we're tired of is the same answer. Is yours going to be clothes? Oh, no, mine was going to be, what's Paul Hollywood like? Oh, so, so when I meet someone in the, in the street and they say, oh, if you even Bake Off, I'd be like, yeah, their first question is, what's Paul Hollywood like? Their second question is, do you still bake? And then there's a really awkward silence before the conversation ends. <laughs> um, but mine was about, everyone asks, why do you wear the same clothes for both days? which we've answered many times, but it's for continuity so that they can use a shot of me panicking on Sunday for the challenge on Saturday. That's the basic reason. I cannot believe you just answered that question again, because it's also been in like every magazine, every yeah. single baker that's ever answered a question ever has answered that question. But I still get asked. It's still in our inbox. Oh, wow. Guys, come on. And what is Paul Hollywood like, David? The thing is with Paul Hollywood, the reason I don't like the question is because it's quite a disappointing answer because he's not evil and horrible, but he's also no. not particularly nice or interesting. He's just he's just a bit dull, but nice. Uh, to be fair to him, like we don't really interact with him very much. And that's quite right. Like he shouldn't interact with us much with the judges, especially when you're filming. You don't want to interact with him too much because they don't want to have favoritism and that kind of stuff. And he seemed quite nice. He was up for a laugh, really. What question do we wish people asked? I always wish that people were a bit more obsessed with me. And just um, like ask me, because people often ask me about Michael and ask me about Henry. I'm like, no, 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 guys. It's all about me. I was, I won. That's because you're dull, David, and no one remembers that. I wish people asked how difficult it was for me to make that Genoese in week five. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on. The next one is from Isabel. So Isabel says, hello, sticky bun boys. Love the podcast. As someone who is not a mathematician, but lived with a mathematician, I'm obliged to tell you, read your recent discussion of bagel and straw holes, that the answers you seek lie in the field of topology. Have you discovered Ooh, topology before, good. David? Did you go to the school of topology? No, I can't believe there's actually a whole field about straws no. if there were one or two holes. Well, I think you definitely went to the field of bottomology personally. Um, so <laughs> topology is a math which involves squishing and stretching shapes without tearing or recombining them you don't want the hole to be torn do you particularly no objects that have the same number of holes are, are considered equivalent in topology because even if the holes appear to have different heights or widths you could theoretically squish and stretch the objects to resemble each other right so so they said in the 
example you provided, a drinking straw and a bagel are considered topologically equivalent because they both have one hole. I can't remember what I decided last time. Did I decide it had one hole or not? I think I said two. I can't remember what you said. No, I think Michael came up with two and you were like, what are you on about? Oh, I think I said one and you said two. <laughs> change sides. I, I would never change sides. I maintain that I always said one hole um, and any facts that you can find to the contrary are wrong and they are fake news. Um, so they're considered to be equivalent because they both have one hole. You could stretch your theoretical bagel very long and thin to make it take on a straw shape or you could flatten a theoretical straw to look like a bagel, but they have therefore one hole. In contrast, a bagel is not topologically equivalent to a plate, because no matter how much you squished or stretched the plate, you couldn't get rid of the hole in the plate. There you are. Clear as mud. Ooh, I mean, that to me, all I got from that was that you can stretch, and then also topology is quite good because they stop you tearing. So you're thinking about stretching and tearing holes. Yeah, it turns out topology isn't for either of us, which I think could have been predicted by its name. Uh, so next up <laughs> is the Olympics. Uh, so the current competitors in the Olympics are being easily knocked over by the ocean's waves, running away from a bee, dropping a piece of paper outside and having to chase it because the wind keeps blowing it away, watching him learn to cartwheel. <laughs> Do you know what? Just as you were reading out then, I was actually picturing some of the people from this year doing it. So like p- thinking of Nikki trying to learn to cartwheel actually is quite good. And running away from a bee, I would definitely go with Rowan. Do you know what? I can imagine Saku being easily knocked over by the ocean's waves. So that would kind of be adorable rather than <laughs> yes. sad, rather than funny. I would want to rescue her. <laughs> definitely, yeah. I think I can see Dan dropping a piece of paper and having to chase it because he'd be really annoyed because he looks like he'd competently be able to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a proper dad, isn't he? And he should be able to collect it, but he couldn't. Right. The next ones that we have to join us in this kind of shortlist are... Number one, people who hold their vapes like cigarettes. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. I don't no. like that. Well, even if the ones, because you know there's those vapes that kind of look like a cigarette. Is that but, okay? But it's too thick, isn't it? It's a bit like a cigar. Oh, yeah. No. I don't like that. And I also, as a side note, don't like the hard drive ones. They're those for me as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure that's an ick. I think that's a, that's a bit of an annoyance, isn't it? When he pays for things using a coupon... Ooh. Yes, definitely. Ooh, Although, do you dear. say coupon? I say coupon. Well, why do you say coupon then? Talk me through that. Because it's got an O, then a U, so coupon. Well, no. If there was a coup being staged, how would you spell that? Actually, I have actually been in a country when there was a coup d'etat, so I know that is coup because it's French. Mm-hmm. Okay, coupon. I'm going to have to change the whole way I say things now. But that is definitely a nick. I hate it when, like, it's actually just embarrassing when someone ahead of you is, like, pulling them out of their wallet. Who has wallets nowadays? Use your phone. You don't have coupons on your phone. I get, like, a self-fit when I'm about to spend a gift card. And there's no shame in spending a gift card, but I tell the person I'm with that we're going to go and spend the gift card <laughs> so that I don't have to, like, get it out in front of him at the checkout so you prep for the ick <laughs> i prep to avoid the ick please um <laughs> in many ways <laughs> um, <laughs> next up is walking back to the group after your turn in bowling <laughs> yes 100 <laughs> percent. that's just pure pure awkwardness that goes beyond an ick surely <laughs> because it's always gone so badly as well you kind of been a bit ashamed <laughs> and the, and the, the stretch t- gets longer and longer as you walk up it oh awful next one when someone says we really needed this rain <laughs> yes. i can imagine abby saying that that's definitely an abby thing to say oh bless her yeah i, I can picture it i wouldn't again it wouldn't be icked if she said it i think it's if 
a potential love interest was to say. The next ones, I think, are the top three of the week. It's quite a few this week. Imagining him chasing a ping pong ball. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As a table tennis player. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I think for me, it's more the imagining of it than the doing of it. Even both. Because both. the thing is, if, you, if the ping pong ball goes, just wait. Just let it do all its thing until it's finished. Then go and pick it up. Don't chase after it. Top life tips from David there. Next up is holding an empty plate (laughs) in line for the buffet. (laughs) Genius. Yes. (laughs) It's like you feel a bit like Oliver Twist, don't you? And you're kind of just holding this kind of slightly warm plate, which is getting colder and colder by the second. Oh, awful. Or even worse, standing at the wrong end of the line for the buffet. Oh yes, because the plates were at the wrong end, and you've ended up stood like by the desserts, and you don't you don't quite know how to leave one queue and rejoin. Oh, it's <laughs> awful. And the final one, standing waiting for the automatic toilet door to close on a train. Oh, that is a very very specific <laughs> one for the UK. I think if for our American listeners, there's a certain train. It's the Virgin Trains. Uh, and when you press the door, it's like one of those big curvy doors and it literally takes about 30 seconds to close. Mm. I was actually on the train fairly recently and um, there was a queue to get into the toilet and it had been a while. So someone just pressed the button on the door and it slowly started to open and there was like the shriek from inside from the person who was clearly Aww. on the toilet. But like because the door was moving at a glacial pace, it was like, it takes about 30 seconds to open. There was this shriek and this kind of scuffling and then all of us in the queue like didn't know where to go because the, the carriage was full outside so we all just kind of turned and faced the wall <laughs> waited and also <laughs> you can't stop the door once it started opening you have to yeah. wait for it to fully open then yeah. you'd have to wait for the button to change color and then press it again to close it oh that would be my absolute hell i have gone to the toilet where someone's got ahead of me it was an older lady and i realized that because oh. it tells you when it's locked and it didn't lock so then i just oh. stood out there for the whole time like telling people no there's someone in there don't press that button don't press the button guarding um who do we think what do we think i think mine is either the ping pong ball or the buffet i think the ping pong ball is a little bit like chasing the leaf so i think i'm gonna go for the empty plate in line with the buffet okay joining our shortlist is holding an empty plate in line for the buffet now things are gonna look a little bit different next week yes david is not going to be here as he's going on a school trip please don't worry though he was invited it is a little bit weird but yes i am going on a school trip i won't be here instead i'm gonna leave you in the hands of a very capable guest host who you'll all be more than familiar with should we tell him who it is oh i don't know about that maybe we can do a little tease okay what about a word puzzle you love them I, I do love them, but I'm not very really good at making them. All right, your clue is the words sieve, knelt, and we. And importantly, that we word has four E's on it. Maybe we should just put this on our socials. I'm not sure a little code word works via the medium of podcasts. <laughs> well, you asked me for one. You can't slag me off for it. I'll put it on the socials so you can all go and get guessing. Anyway, please do remember to subscribe to our podcast to make sure it downloads automatically each and every week. Yes, do that. Also, we really, really want to hear from you. Do you have any burning bake-off questions, unpopular food opinions, or just general thoughts for us? Fire them over to us via email at stickybumboys at gmail.com or on our socials over at stickybumboys. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast going, you can join our OnlyFans for the price of a coffee a month over at patreon.com forward stroke stickybunboys. There's loads of extra stuff on there, including our current series of Q&As with previous bakers, you lucky things. We'll see you next week. Well, famously, you won't. Okay, fine. He'll see you next week. And in the meantime... Q.
Keep them sticky. sticky. <laughs> it never works if we do it like this. Ready for the boring bit? Let's go. The Sticky Bun Boys are not endorsed by or affiliated with Love Productions, The Great British Bake Off, or any of its subsidiaries. All views and opinions are our own. The Great British Bake Off and all related content are registered trademarks and copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. We're very professional, David. In one breath. <laughs> We're all just having a bit of fun, aren't we? <laughs> Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 